Steve, we are back with another edition of the Gentleman's Dojo. We're here. And actually, this is kind of interesting for us because we are not in our typical Burbank studio. No. But this is the first not time. Not in the dojo. No. This is the first time so we are, are taking the show out on the road. Yeah. But it's for a very special reason. Very special. A very special reason. Joining us today, we have a comic, an actor, a game show host. He's done it all. Steve, you know this. From yeah. St. Elsewhere, Bobby's World, Deal or No Deal, America's Got Talent, a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, everything. Canadian we, Walk of Fame as well. We want to welcome our guest to the show. We're so excited to have yeah. this guy. The one and only Howie Mandel is here. Howie Mandel is wow. here. Wow, thank you for having me. And thank you for leaving Burbank. And this yes. is your, you've gone west. We've gone to, west. To Van Nuys. Yes. yes, yes. This is not, I would not have expected, this is your production office. It's absolutely beautiful. It's, a, it's very cool. I don't know that it's beautiful, but it's, it is a production office, and it's in Van Nuys. <laughs> it's very, very cool. Yes, this is uh, Howie Central. Yeah. We, we first of all... Uh, your friend Rich helped us out in setting this whole thing up, and so we. I, it's funny, Steve and I. Steve Maison is sitting in for Steve Byrne this week here at the dojo. Steve Only is Steve's off. To fill in. Steve yeah. is off uh, promoting Steve. Our buddy Steve Byrne, who co-hosts the show with me, has a new Showtime special out, right? Uh, called Tell the Damn Joke, which is coming out uh, this Friday, right? So he's out promoting that. So Steve no, Maison, he's out, and you're here promoting that. I'm, I'm yeah, here promoting, promoting his stuff because yeah. I have to. <laughs> um, but here's what's so funny. So I, I couldn't have thought of anybody better to do this podcast with me than my buddy Steve because Steve and I know you uh, in a very unique way in, in a sense that Steve and I both did audience warm-up on – AGT. America's I did AGT. And then I Steve did at did. the very beginning, deal or no deal. The very, yes. very beginning. Wow. The very first shows. Yeah. You did the first shows? It was shows? like, you, well, you remember, it was like 15-hour days. They're, like, oh, yeah. They'd crazy. open the case and be like, well, now let's try it this way. Let's yeah. try it this well, way. Well, they always, we never change. i got to be clear. They yep. never reopened a case. No, no, no. no. Was, yeah, yeah, was, yes, yes, yes. But yes, it was yes. 15 hours because right. they wanted, that show was about people's reactions. Right. So what it was is if they had to make a decision, yeah. they'd have me, and I, I didn't mind, walking around ad nauseum going, are you sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. still, you could say no deal. Really, right. you want to, and, and the drama. you've got a, the drama. Mm-hmm. But for the warm-up, the yeah, drama was, right. how do I keep it? And also on America's Got Talent, right. which in the audition process, people don't know, is also a 15, 16-hour day. So to warm up, is yeah. to beyond warming up. It's to overheat, to overcook, <laughs> and to just yeah. bake an audience. And really to bake a warm-up person is really what we Well, did. it's interesting because I was living in San Francisco doing stand-up, and I came down to L.A. to go see a taping of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And before I went in there, I found out that your daytime show was filming right next to Jay Leno. This would have been back in, what, 98? Nine. 99, right. Yes. So I remember we came in, and I saw your daytime show, and that was when I saw my very first warm-up guy. And I think your warm-up might have been like Phil Steller, Robert Cox, somebody like that. I don't really remember who But I was. remember seeing this guy come out, do a few jokes, bring you out, and the show started. And I was like, that looks like one of the greatest gigs I've ever seen. You want to do that. And as a result yep. of seeing your daytime show back years ago, it inspired me when I finally moved down to L.A. to do warm-up. Right. So it was it was so crazy because I would like to think that you were somewhat responsible, you and your show, for getting me the into inspiration. Warm-up. Yes. Yes. Which wow. was awesome. Well, but Steve and I will both tell you this, which is kind of funny. 
you gave us both amazing kudos when we worked. Yeah, you're such an so so fantastic. When, so when nice. we, you, I remember you pulling <laughs> me over at AGT when we were in Houston. You were having dinner with some of the executives, and in front of them, you said, "Hey, listen, I know how hard that job is. I know this, that, and the other thing." And you said that to Steve as well. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it for the amount of hours that you know, like you said, when you walked into my uh, talk show. Yeah. You know, they, the warm up guy would go there like. 10, 15 minutes before we we're going to go up, just to, so that it right, wasn't... Give warm and up. that's what I always thought was traditional warm-up. And yeah. then m- the two shows that you mentioned that I did, Deal or No Deal, right. and uh, America's Got Talent, the warm-up guy, it's like the it's like being in purgatory. Yeah. You know, because it's yeah. like uh, we, we want them laughing, we want them cheering, just for another hour. Just yeah. for one more hour. Is there any way we can keep them laughing and cheering <laughs> after lunch? Is there any way we can get them to dinner, to cocktail? Right. So that's, you know, warm up, the, commenta- the, the connotation is warm them up and then something will happen. Yeah. Right. This is just Constant. keep them cooking. <laughs> the, it, you are the crock pot of yeah. comedy yeah. in those two shows. You yeah. know, where they, just yeah. let it simmer all day long. And then when you get back, you got a show. Well, Steve and I have said that, that, that one of the hardest gigs to do is a game show because they want 100 different reactions. It's a long day. Oohs and ahs. Right. That can be a very long day. So that's the, the, that's the downfall. But you were always so nice. But Steve and I have always said, because I never came back to AGT after your nice nod. Steve never came back to Deal or No Deal. Yeah, once I give you the compliment, <laughs> you that's because it's of the curse. It's the grim reaper. It's almost like, so, we so they always sure. say, we're about to fire the warm-up guy. Will you go over and <laughs> say something Tell nice something to them? something nice and they remember when they yes. leave. I remember, so, because Steve said to me, he said how he called me over, and he said, what a great job I was doing. And then you, you never made it back a few there days was, later. I did one more day, and then that was, I, and I thought, I was like, listen, the star of the show is said I'm going to do a good day. I remember it. Like I've always assumed that you guys quit. <laughs> no. I swear. No. No, no, because no, no, it was really good. Well, of course. You know, when it, even when I said, I just want to cover up, because, again, I don't want to insinuate anything about, like, when I said the cases, I just went, I was there, like, at the very beginning of Deal or No Deal. Yeah. When it was like, they're figuring out, where do we want the cameras? Where right. do we want, like, right. do we want her walking down this quickly? Let's right. try it again slowly. So it was that stuff you'd be doing over and over. So, over, so yes. one show was taking, like, Sometimes I think almost like twelve hours to get through the whole absolutely you know, show absolutely and so uh, but I remember we were we we finally took a break after one of these long times and uh, I did like a you know we have all these paid audience members that kind of thing and they're getting tired but you know half of them they all live here in L A they all got have some talent so I always on these breaks get them up and they do like impressions dancing do something you know what I mean that right. they're gonna, so all of a sudden uh, I have these it, it broke out like it was it was like the Jackson Five there's there's four of them on stage and they're dancing the backspin and doing all this stuff and I look over and and Howie you had come back in and I think you were there I want to say John Melendez is it John uh, big comic Mendoza Mendoza John Mendoza Mendoza. John Mendoza was there and I I remembered him I was like oh my god this is you know from one of of my idols growing up seeing him and uh, you guys walked in and, and then you purposely came over and you were like this is fantastic. You are doing a great job. This is this is one of the best things I've seen. And then I so my confidence was really high. And then like I said, two days later, <laughs> two days later, I was you know damned. what? I don't but think that, anybody. That's not your I fault. don't think. But I don't that's think you got fired. I think what happens is that people have friends. Yes, of course. You know, we are in the world yes. of nepotism, right. and whether it's a family member or a friend. And the reason they weren't there right at the beginning yeah. was they weren't available. And when right. their friend becomes available, right. Right. their friend comes on because yes. these are well-paying jobs and there's they're few and far between so what i find is you end up finding like how did you get this job well i know so and so i know one of the producers and one of the producers and there's no and you guys aren't under contract so as soon as a friend becomes available 
Yeah. That friend is there for the check. You're, right. you're exactly right. Because we all, we all know, I mean, Gary Gary's deeper into the warm-up than me. That that tends to happen. Almost any show has one warm-up guy at the beginning, or, or three or four warm-up yeah. guys for the first month, and then it settles into one person that ends up taking it from, from that point on. It's, right? It, it, you know, yeah, that, fills that in jumps in. That's usually, like you said. It's funny. Of. I want to ask you something about your daytime show, because when I, when I came down to see it, I just remember just being just blown away, because I'd never really seen a show tape before, because right. I was living in San Francisco. You, look, you must look at now, like, the landscape. There's so many different daytime shows. I mean, is that... Would you want to jump back into something like that? Or that was then and... Well, no. I'll be totally honest with you. I do love that format. That was not a good time for me uh, personally. And I'll mm. tell you why. Because I had been filling in for uh, Regis many times. And they said, oh, you should have your own show. Yeah. you know. And it was fun because I was like, uh, I didn't have a boss. you know, And I right. didn't have anybody to answer to. So I would go on that show. And at that time, you know, it was Kathy Lee. Right. And, and me and Kathy Lee would have a great time. And the ratings would be really great. And then they said, you got to do the show. You got to do a show. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'll do a show. And I went into daytime, and I had a friend that was going to produce. This is why I talk about nepotism and, yeah, and all yeah, these yeah. other things. I had a friend who had uh, produced a lot of my HBO comedy specials and that. And then uh, uh, this woman, and I said, she'll produce it. She's produced television, and she knows me. And then they said to me, that, that, that this is the first, you know, when I look back, the first marking on the wall. And they said, no, you know, we want somebody who has done daytime. We're not going to have your friend because the, it is a niche. Yeah. It is a different audience. Right. It is somebody. So now I had an executive producer who mm-hmm. was not kind of in tune with me. Yeah. And then it was about, you know, uh, then they said shave. Then they said take out the earrings. Yeah. Then they said wear a suit. Then they said, you know, you're going to do all these makeover. Uh, you know, I'm really not interested <laughs> yeah, yeah. in makeover. <laughs> and uh, Right. I mean, right now, you couldn't you couldn't tell then, but I have no interest in hair. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know, and and cooking segments, and right. I'm really not interested in how they do the scenes on soap operas. But you know, they kept saying this is the daytime audience, this <laughs> is the female. But you know, ultimately, you got to be true to yourself. You know, Ellen yeah. is true to herself, and that's why it's successful. You know, Rosie, the people that really rose in those Oprah, they yeah. they're really Judge Judy is just herself. And that wasn't me. And I fought it all the time. And I used to say to the, to the executive producer, I said, you know, if you can give me one thing, if I blow it or I make a mistake or something goes wrong, never yell cut. Because that's when I'll be at my best. And that's when I'll be at my, you know, that's who I am. Right. You know, I right. like those rough, yeah. rough edges. And I like being the person who maybe stepped into the wrong room or stepped up the wrong. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times, you know, I'd hear cut. And I, and I go, cut? They go, well, the pencil rolled off your desk. And I go, well, it doesn't really yeah. matter. And if that is a problem, then come in while we're rolling and tell me the pencil's off the desk. Right, and I'll go pick it. it up. And maybe something will happen because it's got to be real. And that's the farthest mm-hmm. from real I ever was. Right. You know, and they wouldn't allow me. So that was when it was over, I was. That's why, regardless of anything you ever see me on Deal or No Deal, AGT, wherever I am, and I love. I love doing all those shows, but my favorite and most comfortable place is always stand-up because there are no marks to hit. There's no editing to be done. It's my primal scream at the end of the day. It's really hard. My whole entire life, it's been really hard for me to fit into the confines of any rule. Yeah. You know, I don't have a GED. I didn't finish school. So I 
I will abide by rules. You know, right. I am a right. parent and I am a <laughs> husband and I've been with my wife for 40 years. You know, I can live, you know, and I don't get speeding tickets and I, <laughs> I can live within the confines of rules. And I love doing America's Got Talent and I love Deal or No Deal. I never had bigger success than that. But the truth be told, it's really the depending on what confines and restrictions you put on me. And that was professionally the biggest, most restrictive thing I've wow. ever done. Yeah. So I would love to appear on a daily show, whether it be nightly or daily or or whatever, yeah. if they allowed me to appear as me. You know, even yeah. when I got Deal or No Deal, it was a big, you know, controversy um, whether I should wear my earrings. And I just went, you know, I really don't give a shit about my earrings. Right. But I'm not going to start there. I'm not taking them off. Right. And it was just like, I'm not taking them off. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know, and it's funny because when I came out and I had shaved my head, you know, came out on, on television yeah. and that, they go, oh, it's the new Howie. Man-. No, it's not the new Howie Mandel. <laughs> right. This exactly. is the old Howie Mandel. <laughs> yeah. I've never been allowed to be, aside from on stage, you know, yeah. I got my ears pierced in the 70s. I don't wear earrings now. I'm not into wearing earrings now. Yeah. But, you know, I got them pierced in the 70s and I've always had to change and dress differently than I actually am. And I don't do that anymore do you think that experience with the daytime show is what what kind of got you to that point where you're like look i'm not i'm not going to do this again i'm not falling the same spot where i'm just doing what everyone expects me to i'm going to do what i want to do and my thing you know the truth is this is an amazingly wonderful business but it is such a uh, an emotionally debilitating business you mm-hmm. know as you guys were just talking about you know somebody comes off and says yeah you're great and ups then and you, uh, 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 what <laughs> Yeah, the ups and downs, the roller coaster are hard. Yeah, they're really hard yeah. because you got all these self doubt. You know, yeah. Howie came up to me and said this was great, and he's never seen it, and they didn't call me back tomorrow. <laughs> and there's somebody, but that's what this business sure. is, and it kills. You know, I have my own mental health issues as it is, so this doesn't. I don't know that this helps yeah. me. It just I'm more <laughs> medicated than I've ever been, so that I don't. But but that's it. They go, you're perfect. We're giving you a show, right? But you can't look like this. You can't dress like this. You can't act like this. You yeah. got to pull. You know earrings are indicative of you know whatever changes that need to be Mm -hmm. done and you know that Howie Mandel was not obviously it's always me but it's a portion of me deal or no deal was the first time when um I got well I was really nervous I didn't want to do it when I got called to do deal or no deal yeah I was at the lowest point of my career and my life you know, I had been rejected and I wasn't doing much and I wasn't selling a lot of tickets. And then I got a call. We want you to host a game show. And I don't know if you could put yourself back in 2004 and 2005, but comedians did not do game, game shows. shows. right? The punchline for a comic was the game show host. Mm-hmm. You know, you made fun of that was the irony. Right. right. So you, you know, you didn't want to be. And it was probably considered the lowest rung you know, like you do features, yeah. you do television, you do commercials, yeah. and you do game shows. <laughs> right. And when they asked me to do it, I said no. I said no three times until my wife saw that I was in a, uh, like, a, you know, a, a tailspin mentally and said, yeah. hey, listen, you just got to get out of the house and do something. And I went and did that show. The planning I had for that show, what I wrapped my head around was, you know, no comedians had done mm-hmm. uh, shows except uh, the last time comedians had done game shows was um, Groucho Marx. Oh, yeah, wow. Going back that far. No, but that's yeah. what it was. And yeah. Johnny Carson did Were one they, right yeah. before he did The mm. Tonight Show. But before that, somebody who had a comedy career who went right. into and a then. specific comedy, nobody. 
So I, I, I asked them for, can I hire somebody to write with me? I had these ideas, you know, because again, mm-hmm. I was really scared. It was going to be short of that 15 hours that we spent. It was going to be one hour mm-hmm. of just saying, open the, ca-. there's no game. There's no skill. There's no, no, it's just me. So yeah, it's writing on you. And, and I thought, okay, I can be funny and there's something. So I had all these plans. And what happened was, I'll never forget, and I got the picture right here somewhere, I'll show it to you, but I had the picture, I'll never forget her name, her name's Karen Van, was the very first contestant. Mm. And after all this practicing, they roll tape, and they go, Howie Mandel, and I go, deal or no deal? And then I look, and I'm standing as close as I am to you guys right now, to a real person, to Karen Van. And Karen Van, I ask her a question about herself, and and she tells me she's got three children, she has no health insurance, she's never owned a home. And at that time, again, in, in, in 2005, besides who wants to be a millionaire, a million dollars was huge. And it still is huge, yeah. but I mean, nobody had really, there hadn't been that sure, much that price, million yeah. dollars on TV, number one. Number two, for somebody who doesn't live in L.A., that buys three lifetimes of you yeah. know, comfort. Yep. Yep. It buys you know, many homes, cars, insurance. Your, your life has changed forever. Sure. So having talked to her and looking at her and seeing the kids in the background, you also, you guys have been on sets. For those that haven't been on sets, which is most, most contestants people. on game shows, <laughs> when they're in the center of it, yeah. you notice a glaze comes over somebody. And it's a glaze of, oh my God, I'm in another world. There's <laughs> yep. 10 cameras. There's 300 people. <laughs> yeah. there's, I'm in Hollywood. I've never been in Hollywood. And then I thought, as I looked at her, you know, the first offer came in. And the first offer, so I was always like ten or twenty thousand dollars. And think about this. Ten thousand dollars. Sure. Ten thousand dollars. And I looked at her and the, and I could tell that she wasn't listening. Listening. She's glazed over. She's glazed over. And I thought, I can't do a joke. And I can't because I I don't want to be you know, I wasn't listening. I was yeah, laughing. Yeah, I yeah. didn't realize what he said. So it became more about, you know, I'm a human first before I'm a comedian. Mm-hmm. I got to, you know, Karen, you're sitting there with your three kids. There's an offer here. And that st- changed my cadence. Yeah. And I would go, $20,000. Deal or no deal. Like, really, do yeah. you hear me? $20,000. Or you have to open up another four cases. Twenty. You know, and really, it was everything short of just grabbing her by the neck and going, "Are you out of your fucking mind? Right. You have been Grab here for ten us. minutes. Yeah. You've done nothing. You have nothing. You live in Middle America. Twenty thousand dollars is a down payment on a home. Sure, it's your rent for the yeah. next ten years. Take the fucking twenty thousand dollars. Right. You know, you've already won. You know, Jeopardy. These people who study for years, they're lucky if they walk out with six thousand dollars. At the end of the day, this yeah. is twenty thousand dollars. And I threw everything by the wayside, like all my comedy and everything. And it was just like the truest form. The first time I've ever been on television, just being a human being, being myself, Mm -hmm. being a father, being a husband, being... And after I finished taping it, I was so embarrassed because I said I didn't, as we know, as comics, you know, we kind of create and plan and have a closing and Mm -hmm. have the ending and this is what I'm going to do. And I wasn't outrageous and I was just myself. It was like I bared myself naked. I had empathy because another human being had that. And when it was going to air, I flew to off the, you know, out of North America. (laughs) To get away. (laughs) To get away. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be made fun of. And I started getting texts, 
you know, do you know what the ratings were last night? And then the next night, we played five nights in a row. The next night, they went up. The next night, they went up. And it became this phenomenon. Yeah. And I landed back in Miami. And within 30 seconds, somebody came up to me and went, hey, deal or no deal? Oh, it wow. was like a catchphrase. Yeah. I went, oh, my God. It was the... It was, I was so embarrassed of it. It was not expected. Wow. I did it on a, you know, because my wife wanted yep. to get me out of the house and I was like <laughs> flailing mentally. And it was the only time that I've ever been without humor, true to myself. And after that, there was a plethora of game shows. The next one was Who, uh, Who's Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, fifth Jeff grader. Foxworthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Bob Saget did the 100. That's uh, right, one versus 100. One yeah. versus 100. And then, you know, the, and then we could talk about Drew Carey yeah, and Steve Harvey yep. and all these other people that are Kevin Pollack and Wade yeah. Brady. And yeah. they went and mined, you know, comedians. Mm-hmm. But before that, it was nothing, and it, it kind of changed my life. And, you know, I've known that. I, as somebody who had done, you know, 22 Tonight Shows with Johnny Carson, I, you know, I realized, you know, I used to really be particular about the sets that I was putting together, and i go, oh, and this is my joke. And mm-hmm. the, the throwaway when I was sitting on the counter, uh, on, the, on the couch, was what... America would glom on to the next day. Yeah, yeah. You know, the throwaway. You know, as I got known in the early 80s or the late 70s as the guy that put the rubber glove on my head. Right. That came out of being on stage and going blank and not having anything to do. And I have OCD and I was carrying gloves and I just put on my head and I started breathing. The fingers were going up and down. This was not something that I ever thought (laughs) would be a closer. This is not something I ever dreamed would uh, buy me my house. This is not something that I ever thought I would be known for, yet you don't know. Right. And that's why, you know, here I am in my 60s, you know, saying that if I had to give anybody any oppor- any advice, it is you don't know, mm-hmm. you can't plan, just say okay. Just walk through every door. Some doors are just going to be, you know, a pile of shit and you're going to step in it. Yep. But what you're going to learn from that is I'm not going to go through that door again. Right. But just every open door... Walk through. You know, our instinct is not, uh, you know, when we think about something, it doesn't help us. There's no, thought is not a good thing. We are an instinctual Mm -hmm. animal. And, you know, Nike has that phrase, just do it. And that's what I learned. You know, and I also learned that if I ever did another daytime show, going back to your question, it wouldn't look anything or be anything like the one you saw. Right. It might not be successful. But I tell you mm-hmm. that I would approach it totally differently and I would be very comfortable in just being myself. And whether it works, you just throw yourself out yeah. there. That's what life is. And we're all, you know, we're all uh, unperfect. We all have our issues. We all have, just throw yourself out there and it's going to work. And that's why even, you know, you call me and you say, do you want to be on a podcast? Yes, I'd like let's to do, do a podcast. <laughs> let's do it. You know, and I'll say, let's do it to anything, anywhere, anytime. I'll go do a concert at a theater now, you know, in some state I do, you know, 200 a year. And then I find out if I'm still up, if there's a club in the area, I'll drop in on the club. I don't know what's going to what come gonna from, happen. what's going to happen. And that's great, what life is. Life's too, life's too short. Well, it is the right way. You ask anybody who's ever had any success, they just did it. Thank you, right. Do you still, though, like, you know, it, it's so funny because Steve and I are at, at a level much lower in terms of, like, you go to comedy clubs, they're always screwing you over, they're always shorting the bonuses, they're, you know, they won't give you a hotel, they won't do this. But you would look at you and you're like, you're at a level now where you can kind of call all the shots. Do you still no. feel like that you're still fighting all the time with executives and kind of like No, to- in fact, you say your level and my level. We're not at, here's, here, my 
I have three children, I have grandchildren, and this is what I said. The level is success. Success is the ability to find something that you're passionate about. Yeah. You're successful in life. To reach the whatever you deem the paycheck that is successful or whatever, whatever you think the notoriety, that all goes away. Yeah. You know, we all are heading to the same place. And nobody's mm -hmm. the richest guy in a, in a graveyard, you know, it, and you could be as big as the, you know, I can't imagine anybody as big as the Beatles or the notoriety the Beatles have. Yeah. My grandkids have no idea who they are. Right. Their fame doesn't. So success is something from within. Finding that comedy you want to do, you're just as successful as I am. If you want to go outside yourself, I have bigger fights than you have. I am dissed more than you are. I am, and, and I'll tell you why, because you'd think after I had a series and after I had this, that yeah, I wouldn't you always get, think the next that, level's gonna no, that I wouldn't get treated yeah. this way. It's a bigger slap. <laughs> you know, they don't want to take a meeting. They say no, they cancel. They don't want to give you, they offer you what you, half of what you got on the last show. <laughs> really? After yeah. what I did after, right. uh, on Deal or No Deal, I'm going to get offered half? Yes, I get offered half. <laughs> so I am, I'm humiliated harder and more than you are. Yeah. You are at a, at a better level than me. At least I, you know, so, so the point is, and you have the ability to do a show now at this level. You know, I came up in the 70s when I couldn't do a podcast. Right. I would have loved the, the opportunity to say, okay, I can go get a guest on a show and I can go yeah. do a show today because I want to do a show. Do you yeah. know how many hoops I had to go to go do a show? I can't do a show. So, so you don't look at anybody else to kind of measure your success. Your success is you got up in the morning if you're excited, and I don't care if you're excited about your fucking stamp collection. If you've got three stamps, you have the ability, you're alive today, and you have three fucking stamps. Yeah. Right. And this is my collection. Right. And you may have 200 stamps, but I got 300, and I love my stamps. And I spend time with my stamps. And I just can't wait to get home from work, from cleaning shit, to look at my stamps. That's success. Because yeah. there are so many people in this world right now who hate every minute of their life. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's not success. And right. I don't care how much money they have. And the connotation of hump day is Wednesday when they uh, are halfway through doing the shit they don't want to be doing to maybe get to the weekend where they don't have to do that shit. But there's nothing really exciting happening nothing, on the weekend. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> nothing. And I'll tell you something. I would have been, when I found stand-up comedy, which was April 9th, April 19, 1977 at Yuck Yucks. You know, it was in the heart of the, and I was in retail business. It was in the heart of the disco craze. I didn't like disco. I don't like dancing. I'm not a disco person. And I went to this club because it, it opened up and I thought, oh my God, this is the, f and, they, and the guy, Mark Breslin, who was the host, said, any amateurs want to get up and yeah. try it on Monday night? And I, I went, okay, I'll do that. And I went and did it. Yeah. And the first time I got, enveloped by a laugh and one laugh a lot of it didn't work i thought oh my god i'm home yeah this is right? where i want and and i wasn't getting paid and i dropped down there every night of the week and just to watch other comics and there's this other ne'er-do-wells for lack of a better you know right. the, the people who wanted to put themselves out there yeah. and act goofy or bare their soul or whatever yeah. this was so different in that time that was the the i was in the middle of the boom of comedy from mm -hmm. the catcher rising stars to the improvs to the you know the yuck yucks to the it was 
amazing and I was so happy and I promise you if I would have went to a shitty job every day but once a week I could get that like people like to get together with their yeah. friends and play cards I don't play cards or people like to have a you know a basketball game at the Y if I could have that even today and I had to have another job I made it yeah right and and the fact that I'm here in Van Nuys in an office is just because I continually say yes to yeah. things that don't really make sense to sometimes seem like really bad ideas. But I say yes. And I've done some really bad ideas. Are you talking about this? Our podcast? <laughs> Howie, yeah. if this <laughs> But I've learned to never do another podcast. Let me just say this. Howie, if you should go out of the country when we drop this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> when you come back in, they'll be like, gentlemen, don't you? Are you it, it, it's just interesting because you know, we look at a guy like you, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of people do, and they see you and all your success. And they, you know, I'm sure people from the outside looking in say, well, there's a guy that has everything and doesn't Easy have street. all the things. Yeah. yeah, doesn't have all the things that you mentioned. And then, you know, the way you pointed out, it's that, that's everybody's totally dealing with their own demons and issues. And because I would think you, you, you can get whatever you want. You could call up and get a meeting immediately and you could do this and you could do that. And then, you know, you're saying, no, I mean, everybody's out for their own agenda. They really are. And it's not as easy. I mean, I'm not complaining. I think I'm, you know, yeah. I, I have everything I've ever dreamed of and more, but to, to say that I don't get kicked in the nuts five times a week <laughs> would be wrong. And, you know, I do try to get people on the phone that I can't get on the phone. I do try to sell things that I can't sell. I do want to do things that nobody's offering me. Yeah. Right. You know, and all the time. And that's just business. And then aside from business, my own demons. I'm a mess. You know, I'm medicated as we speak. We're all a mess. We're all, <laughs> we all have our own humility and humanity. And I deal with mm -hmm. anxiety and depression and all the time there isn't a there isn't a hump to get over where you go oh my god this is what it's all <laughs> the green about pastor, it's not yeah. hum humility <laughs> humanity being a human being is tough you know there's a t-shirt i didn't make it up shit happens it happens to all of us yeah it's, there's that great story in the movie comedian with seinfeld where he said that that band there was a band that was traveling to their oh, plane yeah. or their bus got caught in the mud and they were they were going to a gig like on christmas and they were dragging all their equipment through this this mud and this rain and they came up on a house that was like this swiss family robinson house and they looked in and people Warm were bo yeah there, there was a fire going and they were all gathered <laughs> around the table playing a board game and it's just this great typical middle american family and one of the band members looks in he's like how do people live like that yeah, like yeah. just like the, the <laughs> greatest because they got to do they were doing what they wanted to do yeah. and it was absolutely crazy to just think that do you get do, do speaking of people you know disagreeing do people tweet you like hey i can't believe you didn't uh, like that person on AGT, I can't believe that you didn't. You vote would them not through. in this in this day and age. And I talk always with other comedians. Social media is a a blessing and a curse. Yes, and it's a blessing because when I was coming up, there was one stage to go to. You had to, you needed time at the comedy store or the improv right. here only in LA, really to yeah. to get to that next level, to get somebody on television to see you, and that was it. Now, you know, with social media, you could post a podcast, you could post a video. It's funny you say that, because last night we were talking about the prep for this and social media. And I said, I think Howie, you know, let's talk to him about the difference when he started to now. I think, and I mean this is the ultimate compliment, you would have, if the stuff that was around today was around when you started, you would have been like a Vine star with the, the videos. Like, I, well, I the like the idea. Ever. Yeah, but then again, you have to do, there's a lot of things. I, you know, I'm, I'm an insomniac and I don't yeah. sleep and I live on social media and I live and I look at all these things and yeah. all the, 
but it's also what is going to break through. You don't know. It's so right. noisy out there, and there's yeah. so much stuff. And and to be honest with you, a lot of the stuff I don't even really understand why it becomes <laughs> as big as it is. But I remember like the one of my favorite things you've ever done is at the beginning of one of your specials, or maybe it was interspersed. Is you're on the beach, I think, in Hawaii, and you're yelling after people, and then they yeah. they're turning around, right? Yeah. And it, it's it's just exactly what you would expect on like a a video. That now some kid who who's never done comedy whatsoever, but by the gets same million token, of, um, and I think he was yeah, asking this. Yeah. I'm also open, and everybody is, yeah. to be hit so hard, so negatively, so yeah. you know. I have no oh, talent. Sure. You know, I know that Jimmy Kimmel does this thing, mean tweets, but they're real. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I'm, I'm opening up my Twitter as we speak. I will find. Within you can't read three things without without reading something horrible and and personal and you know and and maybe even dangerous you know like God uh, I'm, I'm looking as as we as we speak but it'll be in the top. You quickly found. And does it affect you? I mean, is it is it like something like, I mean, you've been in the business. I'll tell time. you what affects me, and not people saying uh, bad things. Uh, what affects me is, and I've talked about this with Chris Rock and and other people, is the ability for you know they they call it social media. Well, first of all, you're not me- you know media. The connotation of media <laughs> yeah. used to be like a newspaper man, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, somebody in radio, right. somebody in television, some idiot alone in his underpants in his room becomes media. But you yeah. can you can say something that can snowball. The art of comedy. What I loved about the art, my biggest influence ever in comedy, and you can't, uh, you wouldn't be able to tell from knowing me and knowing what I do, is Richard Pryor. And I'll tell you why. Richard Pryor, besides him being brilliant, he was the guy, when I first came out here in the 70s, I watched him write live on the Sunset Strip. And I watched him show up every night. There were crowds of people just wanting to just catch a glimpse of this. But he showed up on stage every night trying out material. Paul Mooney was off to the side writing down his stuff and then they'd sit and talk about it and hone it. But the brave, the bravery that he had to, and he was already a star. Yeah. You know, he had done movies. The, the bravery he had to throw shit out there against the wall and maybe it not work. Maybe it was even really offensive. Maybe somebody's jaw would drop not because they thought it was funny, but how the fuck could you say, say something that. say something like that? But I that was the first time I thought that's what these comedy clubs are for. You know, I'd come up an amateur night and and that gave me the ability and that's why even to this day I will want to drop in after a concert mm. if there's three people in the room. I want to just try something because ultimately right. we sitting in our homes or wherever we're sitting or in your studio in Burbank, you have an idea. Yeah. But until you share that idea with an audience, you really don't know. Like, I've always contended that, you know, people go to comedy clubs at amateur night, they see horrible, horrible <laughs> comedy. But nobody's there on their own. Nobody shows up there just because, unless they're totally delusional and they have a mental health problem, somebody is there because they have a friend or an aunt at the Thanksgiving table. Go, You're so funny. You right. should try that. <laughs> so it's, a- it's the luck of the draw. It's really luck. That your sensibility and your sense of humor is shared by Other a people. wider swath than just your uncle, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, you know, and that's what that, that, that. I will never say to anybody, even in America's Got Talent, that's not funny. I could say I don't get it. I yeah. could say that doesn't tickle it's my, my you know, this like for any art form. 
So the beauty was that he was throwing shit out there because like a painter who shades, you know, you throw the first uh, paint on the canvas, you see like a a black dot on the canvas. You go, well, that's not a, what is that? Well, then you see that he puts some red in it and then there's some shading and then you see he adds something else to it and then there's, and then it's this beautiful tree Mm -hmm. and it grows. And and comedy isn't much unlike that. You know, you throw a word or you have a concept, but you didn't hit it right and I should close with this and I should do that. What happens now in this day of an age of social media, number one, we can't throw that black piece of paint out because mm-hmm. it could be politically incorrect. Somebody in the audience could have a phone, could record you, right. you could lose yeah. your whole career, number one. Number two, they could just record you and that goes out there and it's an unfinished piece. Mm-hmm. Look at his painting of comedy, it's right. not good. It's really hard to like experiment and be totally open and be free spirited without con- the concern that this is going to get out there. Mm-hmm. And the more notoriety you have, and I'm not going to say success, but the most more you know, if I drop in on a club and I just want to try something outrageous, I can't really do that and feel okay because it may be stupid and it may not work. I used to be I I watched Richard Pryor be fearless. I'm not fearless anymore. There was a time when I was, but I'm not fearless anymore because I don't know what context. I controlled the context in the 70s and the early 80s. I don't control it now. That's that's interesting. And you you still go out. I remember I've run into it maybe definitely once, maybe twice at like the Third Street Playhouse in Santa Monica at the comedy yeah, show there. I'll drop it. You'll, you'll pop in and do sets. And I still yeah, do it because it's, I don't know. You you in front it. of I love it and I love the process of creating. Yeah. Not only getting the laugh, but finding the funny. Mm-hmm. You know, finding I have an idea, but I don't know if it's a, and and the only way that I can really hone it is I need an audience yeah. a semblance of an audience yeah. you know it doesn't even have to, it doesn't have to be a hundred people right. it could be eight people but I need that yeah. and people who don't know me and don't know I just want to try and I want to try it I'll drop in on that club yeah. and then the same night if I'm doing that I'll drop in on four different clubs right. and try the same thing and maybe change the word and hone it and think about it even though it seems like I'm very improvisational and I'm willing to be improvisational yeah. and go off the cuff I really take my comedy really seriously yeah. and try to do that but in this day and age of social media besides the meanness they're also mean in about the art form yeah. about right. the political correctness right. about the you know it's just a scary time. It really is. Well, yeah. we were wondering that too. Like with AGT, you see a comic come out. They do 90 seconds. Don't you have to immediately think like, can this person, it, let's say they win the whole thing. You're thinking always bigger pictures. This person, a million dollar act. Can this person, I know that I'm seeing 90 seconds, but can this person do an hour on a late show Friday night at a club? Like, I mean, obviously like Tom I Potter don't. was a headliner. I uh, don't. No, I kind of here's the here's what I try to get across to my cohorts and even people on on uh, in the audience at home watching. I have respect for every comedian. You know, it was Jerry Seinfeld kind of talked about it, the first time I think it was a, the Aspen Comedy Festival. He was mm-hmm. receiving an award, and I don't know. Did you ever see him his speech about the award mm-hmm. receiving? He said, as a comic, we're not used to receiving awards. We're usually at the end of the show. Right, you know, right. yeah. maybe sometimes we're invited to sit down at the <laughs> at the couch. Nobody really gives it. You know, it's really funny because the biggest award in show business is an Oscar. And think about an actor. What does an actor do? An actor um, gets picked up from his house. They'll go to a set where they'll dress you. They'll comb your hair. They put 
uh, maybe a mask on you or some makeup. Mm-hmm. Then they go put a piece of tape on the floor and they say, uh, what I need you to do is walk in, stop at that tape, and then here's what I want you to say. There's no thought. You're going to memorize yeah. words that they tell you to say. So they tell you to say that and you walk in, you say that, and they go, no, not great, cut. Try it again, and maybe you'll try it like 200 times, and then they'll put another piece of tape because they want to shoot it from another Mm -hmm. angle. Then somebody will go into an edit bay and cut all the angles so it looks very different than what happened that day, but Mm -hmm. it looks that. And then one night they go, fucking brilliant. Here's an award. Where a comedian sits alone, writes his own script, creates his own character, dresses himself, and needs to elicit from an audience a huge response every 30 seconds because if it's really quiet and he doesn't get that or she doesn't get that, then he realizes that maybe it's not working. So he needs yeah. to make it work. He's got it. So on AGT, somebody comes out and sings an Ariana Grande song. Well, you have a nice voice and you're singing their song, but then the comic comes out and everybody's willing really quickly to go, not funny, not good, bye. Yeah. But the truth is that and that we, we, I talk about comedians and, and comics, the difference being that, you know, one says funny things and one says things funny. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've created a character that's really likable, I may not um, respond or understand uh, your reference. I may not even get what your joke is, but I understand what goes into it and how hard it is to be here. And the criteria for our show is not to be able to do an hour set. You don't have to do it. You come to an hour, you know. I'm the same guy that had the three-minute set, and that's all I had, and I didn't even have a set. You know, I made it I made it big, and I got pretty big saying what, 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 and rolling a rubber glove on my head. And what was, you know, that came out of me just not understanding what they were. I, I came out on stage, and I was so frenetic and so scared. Yeah. And, and I went, okay, 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 and I was trying to remember, and they started giggling at me, and I'm going, what, what? 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 Yeah. And then they started giggling more right. at my what? You know, my material and my persona came from the audience, came from real fear, real being inquisitive and not really understanding, not having anything to do, so I just pulled a rubber glove on my head. So what I'm saying is I'm not going <laughs> to judge material as much as I'll judge, are you a character that I want to see again? And mm-hmm. can you, you know, and I don't even judge by, is that worthy of a show in Vegas? I judge that 90 seconds or that two right. minutes. You got something. I don't yes. know what it is. You're kind of funny. I didn't, I didn't particularly laugh at what, because it's not my world, whatever it is you were talking about. And I don't know. You know, for me, comedy is about relating. You know, if something embarrassing yeah. happened to you, that's why I hate jokes. I hate Hate joke. When somebody comes up to me and says, I got to tell you a joke, you want to hear something <laughs> yeah, right. funny. No. You know, two guys walked into a bar. No, they didn't. You know, and my, my basis of humor is off of reality, yeah. awkwardness, and un- discomfort, you know. So uh, I, don't, I don't remember what the question was, but the truth is that judging comedy, I try to educate everybody to understand how many levels and how hard. That's yeah. their material. It's their time. They're naked. There's no band. They need to elicit a lot more than somebody who sings a song and then gets an applause at the end because that's what you're going to get. Or even if you're asking them to clap along to your rhythm, Mm -hmm. we need so much more as comedians. And to get that in 90 seconds, if they got three laughs, it's hard to laugh. Right. It's hard that you can't just 
tell somebody That's to really, really laugh. Yeah. Who, who was a comic that did the show that you were disappointed didn't go further? Um, you know, uh, didn't go further. Maybe got I have, uh, you know, the kind of comics that I personally respond to are the kind of comics that I believe are, you know, I loved like Andy Kaufman and that kind of comedy. Mm-hmm. Now you could say there's no, I don't know that America responds to that in the, you know, it, as much as they respond to, you know, classic material. Right. The masses, maybe. The, the, yeah, the masses. Sure. I like that. We have, a, we have a comic on this season that I absolutely love. Do you know who Jeffrey, the good boy of comedy is? Mm, no. No. I'm excited to see wait, him. Wait, yeah. till, wait till you see him. Yeah. But I, I wonder if, if America will respond. Yeah. To, because it's just a weird character. Yeah. Well, one of the people I was thinking of, even as you were talking about it there, just you were saying not even the jokes, and she's a fantastic joke writer, but like Wendy Liebman on the show, you just get a feeling when she's on stage, right? You're like, I like this person. And if she's, she's likable nice. and you want to spend time and you right. want to listen to her, you know, yeah. whether... But comedy is so narrowcast. Mm-hmm. You, know what, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, it's kind of like music, you know, in the sense that... And that's why I've always... Though my golden buzzer last year had originals, Grace Vanderwall. But I've always contended that the best thing, and I fought with Howard when he was on the show, that if you want to win this, it's basically a popularity contest. If you're going to already pick a top 40 song and you have a good <laughs> yeah, voice, yeah. you've got a good chance of winning. You're if everybody right. lo- already loves the song, you know, comedians can't do that. Right. right? They can't just come on and do a George Carlin or a Rodney Dangerfield routine. If, if they were allowed to just recite it and do it good, there's a good chance <laughs> yeah. that they would win. But then you'd go, hey, They'd be punished a comedian, for it. Yeah. Yeah, right. you'd go, that's not your material. That's not your... Wasn't there an issue, so speaking of which, wasn't there an issue with a comic who then the warm-up said that he stole Greg. his... Yeah, yeah. and I, the comic was a guy named Greg, who I know, right? It, but there was an issue with that, right? Yeah, so in the middle of taping, the yeah. the, com- the warm-up guy came out as he was doing it saying, that's my act. <laughs> right. Oh, I don't know, I don't <laughs> know if, that, if that was the case, right. because ha- also, having been in this business for a long time, it is very possible that if you're thinking along funny lines... There are chances yeah. that there's another funny person that came up with the same right. with the same joke. You know, I did I did this uh, this WWE event almost two years ago. I think I did it, and right after Donald Trump announced his um, candidacy. And I said, and and this was like far before you even thought that he had a chance. It was kind mm-hmm. of funny that he announced was it. Was going. And and I remember on that, and you could look it up. It's on tape. I, I remember on that, I said, can you imagine if he's in the White House? It brings a whole new meaning to orange is the new black. <laughs> Since that time, I've heard maybe a half a dozen comics use that exact same line. Yeah. I don't think anybody stole stole, my, stole my bit. I think that's yeah. an obvious way to go his orange was out there that is a show you're thinking of iconic ideas Mm -hmm. you know so the truth of the matter is yeah you know i even remember the bit that you're talking about the 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 car driving yes inside a closed window watching two people argue yes but we've all been in you know the reason that got huge laughs and did really well even for frank is because we've seen that Right. right is it possible that more than one comic 
I, like I don't know what their relationship yeah. is and how and I don't know the guy that was on our show but is it possible that more than one comic has been out in traffic seen that and thought that's a great bit to, right. to sure. recite it's always possible right so and what happened as a result of that did he because I thought that Frank then went to the producers and said this is my bit mm-hmm. and then that guy got cut or something like that from what I remember I don't it, know what happened interesting I swear I don't know what happened but I you know I but it, well like you said watch watch the late night shows on any given night there's always that parallel thinking where Fallon will do a joke similar as Conan or you know Seth what I mean Myers, so they're all doing yeah it's they're all very similar they're, they're all doing that so, and, and by the way speaking of AGT how is the new dynamic now with Tyra Banks hosting because I know that you. We're obviously very close with Nick Cannon. I am, and I still am, and I still talk to him. You know, I'm very... I was heartbroken at the fact that he decided to move on because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, our show was number one in the summer. Um, But I also respect his integrity for, you know, doing what he wants to do creatively, and he is very busy and he's doing well. And I just started working with Tyra, and I got to tell you, she's amazing. Yeah. She really has a great sense of humor. She knows comedy. She's stunning. And uh, listen, we just talked about people's heart being broken on our stage. You know, sometimes if they yeah. don't go on, what better way place to go than to be coddled <laughs> by, by Tyra, Tyra Banks. Banks? Oh, my God. Right. I just want to be a short man who needs a hug. It's got to be better for you, too, now that the show's out here in L.A., right? That you're not cross-country commuting. Amazingly easier yeah. for yeah. me. You know, me at my age, at this time in my career, it's so great to just get into a car and drive to work and then drive home. And when we were in New York, though, I love Howard and I love New York and I love Radio City Music Hall. You know, when we were doing the live shows, I was commuting. So every Wednesday and Thursday, I'd fly in and then fly back. Right. You know, I do enough flying as it is. As I said, I do 200 I dates a year. The reason I'm in Van Nuys because I'm right by the airport here, so I can have this podcast, get on a plane. Right. This week I get on a plane and fly out and then come back and have my meetings and do my business. And, yeah. you know, I'm trying to make things as easy as possible. We I, we could keep you here all day, but we, we want to start wrapping up because, I mean, obviously you're so busy, but we have so many things. Steve and I are such huge Howard Stern fans. Huge. And uh, could you're you always just, fantastic on it. Uh, Thank can, you. can you just share that story? And you shared it on Stern. And I just want our listeners to hear it. Where you were in high school and you called up the construction company to do like like a builder to get work done on the school. Oh yeah, but, you know I've always <laughs> I came to comedy. Um, well, I'll, I, I want to set up where why I thought and it, it didn't work for me. But there was always comedy in my house. And my parents always laughed and always watched The Tonight Show, Jack Parr, and they yeah. always watch. And, they, and my dad used to buy comedy albums and then bring them home. And I used to see my mom and my dad, they'd throw on this record or they'd watch TV and they'd be laughing. And I was three or four years old and I'd walk in and everybody's laughing and you know that laughter is good. But I didn't get it, you know? And even if I watched the comic, you know, said something about a mother. I don't even know what a mother-in-law is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The first time I recollect that I could join the party was, and he's my hero, was Alan Funt on Candid Camera. And I sat at at, at my parents' feet. They were watching Sunday night. They were watching Candid Camera. And he explained, you could be two years old and understand this, that I'm going to hire somebody who thinks they're going to be a receptionist and they're going to answer the phone. (laughs) And every time the phone rings, they can't miss a call, they were told, and they reach for the phone, I got a rope attached to the desk that goes through the wall. (laughs) There's guys on the other side. And when she goes to reach for the phone, we're going to pull the rope and the desk is going to go away. Right? So I kind of understood. And now it's like a surprise party. And it's just like... Yeah. Really, a lot of excitement in my living room just in that moment. 
The first time they put somebody there, the phone rings, she goes and reaches it, they pull the rope, <laughs> the desk is gone, and the awe on her face, it was the most guttural, wonderful laugh I've ever seen by my mom, my dad, and me all yeah. together. And I went, oh my God, I love this. I love to laugh. It's comedy. Again, remember, four or five years old, no understanding that you need a TV show, right. you need an audience, you need a cohort. <laughs> so that became, I tried to always recreate that. And then I became my own little Alan Fund without a show. Now, I can't sit. I've been diagnosed with OCD and ADHD later on in life. But I, you know, I can't sit. And I wasn't the class clown in as far as, you know, having the witty response. But I would always set these things up because I knew it was funny. Yeah. I just never shared. So I thought it was funny one day to sit in class. And I was on the second or third floor in math class. And I had called the Yellow Pages. I'd always done, like, prank calls just yeah. alone. I didn't have any friends, you know. And I called the Yellow Pages. And I said, you know, we're uh, getting uh, um, an addition onto the library. And I think your company, I called a, uh, <laughs> I called a construction company. I'd like you to give us, I'd like to expand it, you know, 20 feet into the field. And could you give us a bid? And can you come tomorrow? Can you come at 3 o'clock? I knew when I was going to be in, in the class. But you must have done it at home, right? Because obviously there was no phones. But, you know, so you went back home and did this. No, I made an pages. appointment for the time of my math class so that I would sit, not telling any friends. That's how different I think I am. I didn't tell any friends. But I'm sitting in math class. I couldn't concentrate. And I look out the window. And I'm just enjoying myself. This guy with a tape measure. He's measuring out into the field, yeah. and he's got you know a belt, like a little tool belt. He's writing things down on his clipboard. And then I see the principal go out. I can't hear what's going on. I see the – or the vice principal go out and talk to him, and I see him doing it. And I know that I had given my name. I had given my name and everything, and I thought, oh, it's so funny. And I'm really enjoying math like I never did before. Lo and behold, yeah. within minutes, you know, I get, will Howard Mandel please come down to the office? So I go down to the office, and to me, this is also funny because yeah. the principal is saying, you know, I was just outside, and uh, the gentleman has your name, and uh, he said that you've authorized an addition onto our library. And I said, that is not true. And he said, well, he said he had your name. I said, no, 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 no. I'm getting three bids. <laughs> And then it was really funny to me. There's nobody there, and I don't have an audience. And really, like almost like I was dangerous. The guy kind of backs up. He goes, "Could you, could you just have a seat here, and I'll be back in just a couple of minutes." And he goes into the office. As it turns out, he called my parents and told my parents to come right down. Yeah. And my parents come right down, and they're sitting there. And then now I'm sitting in the room, and they said, "You know, your your son authorized an addition onto the library." And it was just like the, and that's what I love more than laughter. I love awkward silence and just, and I could see my mom biting her lip. Like, I don't know what he expected to hear from her or sure. my mother. Like, we've told him never to put an addition onto the library. Yeah. We told him he isn't authorized to hire construction company. Like, what did he, I don't know what he wanted, but it was just quiet. And eventually I got asked to leave the school and they ca called in psychologists and, and, and their recommendation is this, that I had behavioral problems. I got I got thrown at three different schools for all different right. events like this. Um, and people, you know, this became hearsay in the school. It's funny because people will come up to me now. You were so funny in school. But I didn't have a friend in school mm. because the, uh, you know, I was just deemed insane. Like just I would do these crazy things and not for a laugh, just how he really believed. And I kind of liked that folklore yeah. of believing 
you know, that, that, that people were a little afraid of me. I was, uh, you know, I saw people pointing at me and talking about me. So that was my own little notoriety when I was a kid. But oh, it's so funny. I just love that idea, <laughs> that idea that you called about the extension for the library. And then, like, a day later, you've almost forgotten about it. Like, you're just, like, sitting in the classroom, and then you see them measuring and they're like, oh, that's right. <laughs> but I, I, but the, the bigger part of it is, it's like, who's the audience? Me. You're and throughout just, my you're whole amusement. throughout yeah. my whole life, and even now when I do things, you know, my wife and my mom have always said to me, like, well, where's the joke? Who's the joke on, Howie? They just think you're an <laughs> idiot. And I go, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I really am okay with that. I am more than getting a laugh, more than <laughs> when somebody is looking at me and going, what? Really? <laughs> what just happened yeah. to me that I find that so much right. funnier, so much more exciting, so much more when discomfort and you know I live because of my mental health problems in a very awkward, uncomfortable world. So I'm very comfortable in discomfort and awkwardness. And if you think about comedy really, it's always about somebody else's misfortune mm-hmm. or on you know when the two guys walk into a bar something embarrassing happens to, to one, one of them, of them yeah. you know i just like to be in control of what happens to that yeah. person right you know or if somebody gets a pie in the face you're laughing at their or a, a clown falls down you're laughing at their misfortune and they're awkward and they're un- mm-hmm. uncomfort and i just i like to create that world that's why I love hidden cameras, my favorite thing, because I find it the right. most relatable comedy. Yeah. There are people who will say, it's mean, why are you doing that? It's not really mean, because truth be told, we're all human, and it brings all of us to mm-hmm. the same level. Right. We all believe whatever is being said to us, we all believe the situation we're in, mm-hmm. and we all react differently, and let's just watch. You know, right. Nobody's better than anybody. And we're all there to, you know, if we can't have fun and we can't laugh at it, we're just going to cry right. and be angry and, and fight. Comedy is a great, and laughter is a great bridge to sanity. Yeah. And that's why you still love doing all the road dates. I mean, it's just a chance for you to just break out, be on your own. I will never stop doing that. Yeah. Because also, it also gets me into the real world. You know, living in L.A., or New York, and working in production. I like behind the scenes as much as I love. You don't meet, this is not a real world, and people here in this community aren't real. But when you're in the middle of Iowa, right, and yeah. you're, and even through their sensibility of what they're relating to and laughing at, you really get a sense of the people you're writing for, performing for, mm-hmm. making TV for, making movies for. That's America right. when you're in that mall. Right. Being at the Beverly Center here in, in L.A. <laughs> is not America. Right. Nobody really looks like anybody else. Right. You know, it's, I'm not surprised by anything anymore because I really, I'm out there and I spend more time in front of America than I do in front of people in New York, Miami, and L.A. Right. You know, and I kind of know who I'm catering to. Well, we need to start wrapping up because you have such a busy schedule. But I just want to say this. When I worked at AGT for those uh, six dates on the road, what I loved was you were the only judge that would have dinner with the crew, the only guy that would go out and have drinks with the crew at the end of the night. It, It really felt like 
you just love being part of hanging with everybody. Everybody else was back in their dressing room. Everybody was just kind of doing their own thing, and you were really yeah. But in they it. maybe maybe they may probably needed to rest or lie down. I can't lie down, and I like being a lot around people. Yeah, you but really you are. Like you people. are. Yeah, you're not the the guy. Just like you were talking about the the Beverly Center. You're not the typical guy. You think, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see Howie Mandel from the from the bus. He's gonna be walking into. You know the coffee shop to get his thing. You and I, Gary and I have seen you like walking across Santa Monica and the thing you wave and yeah. Like, run well, I met Denny's four times I, a week. I saw you I the, really. I, I saw you the Denny's, night yeah. before I did Letterman. You were on Letterman and I was uh, doing the show as a comic right. the next day. And I saw you at the deli and I was at, having dinner with my mom. And you, you you came over and talked to us for a couple minutes. I mean, you're you're, you're one of the nicest guys. Yeah, like, thank you. I don't again. know that I'm the nicest guy, but I'm a normal guy. Or, that's what I, uh, and, well, that, and I'm normal that, with that my helps. abnormalness. We like that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're excited. I know that you said season 12 has a uh, comic coming up that we should be looking out oh, for. I love this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's going to premiere in the summer. It's a great summer yeah, show. It starts May 30th. I, May 30th. I know we got to wrap up, but is there... You, People always say, you always want to, like us, we always want the next level and that kind of thing. People always say, if you could have a career, whose would it be? You have one of those careers where you've seemed to have you know, done, done so much. Like you listed at the beginning and then all the stuff, like you said, that you, you attempt. Is there something you haven't done yet that you, you still want to? That I'm sure there's a ton of things that I haven't done yet. Yeah. And I want to be asked to do them. Yeah, yeah. And that's everything. Sure. You know, everything. Yeah. Whatever it is, you know. Yeah. And that's how my and, – and I hope that somebody thinks of me and and doesn't overthink it. Oh, we can't afford him or he's right. too busy or he doesn't. That the people will still call and ask yeah. me to do things. Yeah. I think the one the one question we got over and over again on Facebook was uh, is is Bobby's world coming back? I'm trying. Yeah. yeah. So I've made some deals with some partners, and hopefully we can get that. Fingers crossed. We can love get, it. I, yeah, I love it. I'd like to do that. I'd like to do more of that kind of stuff. I'd like to do more television. I'd like to do film. Uh, you know, I I'm in a little uh, Netflix thing right now. I just directed a. Uh, on Hulu, you can get that uh, committed. It's a documentary I did over 12 mm. years with a fellow comic. I followed him, Vic Cohen. It's c- committed, so I love directing. I'm doing a uh, another documentary. I did a on Netflix, Small Shots. I got to play a little character. They called me to act. I said, "Okay, I'll do yeah. it." You know, your your other shows on Spike too, karaoke, karaoke uh, sh- uh, showdown. Yep, is uh, with Craig Robinson. Yep. I produce that, so I produce a lot of things that I'm not in. I like producing. That's what this office that you're sitting in right now is. That's what. And obviously, here. being on this show, I mean, I'm sure that that's going to up your game. And I'm sure that yeah. a lot of the calls are going to start flying through now as a result. How of long this has podcast. this been on? Uh, a couple of years. Yeah. Or you mean just this right now? Just this particular broadcast. Fifty minutes. Yeah. Wow. And we only usually go half an hour. Really. So this is a testament to you, Howie. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. Or you haven't been able to think of a good ending. <laughs> You always want to leave, you yes. want to leave them on a we big don't have laugh a or a big we don't have a something really yeah, exciting well, to go. Well, nothing. that's it. Nothing. So you know how you nothing. like you said you like those awkward moments. That's the ending to our show. That's it, right <laughs> that's there. It. Yeah, really? it's not knowing no, what to do no, anymore. No, no. So let's just sit quietly for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll cut it. You know what? Let the audience turn it off instead of you. Usually, the podcaster mm-hmm. says that's it and they're out. But you know what? At this point, we've done enough, right? Right. So let's leave it to the listener at any time from now. Just, it's just turn it off. Yeah. Just go to something else. Yeah. We're done. We're done. Nothing more is going to happen here. We're done. And that's... The recording will keep going, but we're, we're finished. Yes. But we want them to be finished. It's kind of you hang up first. You hang they, up right, first. They, right. They're, yeah. We, we, the end of the Ferris Bueller movie where the guy came out and said the movie's over with. 
That was yeah. the first time somebody's <laughs> ever done that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right. The, this is the podcast. Let's just. Do you think half half of the people that had been listening ten minutes ago are gone now? I would like to think that they're still here. Really? Yeah. No, I think people you think are they're gone. gone. <laughs> I think they're gone. Right, because we haven't spewed anything really interesting for the last minute and a half. Hmm. So I. Oh, think, that's true. So I think at least twenty five percent of the people that were listening ten minutes ago are gone. And now what I'm going to do is... To be fair, you're a fantastic guest. I've heard his podcast before. It's usually a lot of uninteresting things. So <laughs> that, that, that's the, not the true. listener... <laughs> but there are people that, that are yeah. into uninteresting things. They're, they right, that's what I'm saying. Things. That's his listeners. That's his, right. Yeah. I've gone into people's homes yeah. and seen their collections and acted <laughs> like I was interested. So people, just because something's not interesting doesn't mean people won't watch it, listen exactly. to it, and yeah. be yeah. part of it. Yeah. But this ending yeah, this is, is less than... Not interesting. Oh, I see. Yeah, below. Below. This is Bel- just... Below uninteresting. I do think we're losing people right now. <laughs> I do, too. I think this is just I think a waste you're going to see a spike. On the, on you the, do? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the opposite's going to happen. Really? I think there's going to be people... They have those meters, See, right? we're discussing who's listening <laughs> rather than right. discussing anything that's happening right. here. Right, Which was and crazy. We had 80 other questions that we never even got to. But the point is that I don't think they're interested in themselves. And we're talking... We'll t- can we take a caller? No. There's no... <laughs> Oh, you're the here. capability. No, 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 no. I don't mean in this in this podcast. Can I go into another room and take a phone call? Yes. Yeah, just do that. I, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna go do that. It has nothing to do with your podcast. You sure? Yeah, but don't okay. say goodbye. Don't say there should Let's not just be. Sit here. No, we're just gonna. Do you mind if we just? We're gonna leave too, but we'll, the equipment's gonna stay here. You yeah, do that. We'll come back and pick it up later. We'll just week. keep recording. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to the other room. I'm gonna take phone calls. Okay. Not from any listener. Not from any fans yeah. or anything. Just, just nothing. No, I have a contractor that needs to call me about something I'm doing in uh, one of the rooms of my house. Oh, okay. And, we thought about uh, a school. No, and well, my kids, my kids, uh, uh, my daughter's probably going to call me in a couple minutes. Yeah. Because she wants to have lunch. And then... Um, Denny's? I do. I go to Denny's four times a week. You do. You love the Denny's. I do love Denny's. Yeah. I love the Grand Slam. And I can order the 55 and over menu, too. <laughs> I like the pictures, and it looks like the pictures. And Thank the lady you, here at the Denny's, yeah, she likes me. She's a fan of mine, and sometimes she lets me sit in the quinceanera room. Really? Mm-hmm. Boy, you get the service. I do. By the way, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. You're trying to say goodbye. Now it's just awkward. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I'm not leaving. This is when the, when the host says goodbye, and then the guest won't leave. Right. See, people always think it would be fun to hang with me, but I'm the guy at the party where you're upstairs with your wife going, well, tell him to go. I want to go downstairs and vacuum. Well, why don't you just go vacuum? Maybe he'll get a hint. Yeah. I'm out. See you later.